Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Wow! Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Is this a joke? Not Malia hyping me up all day long to make a move on Corey just to make a move on Corey. You know that feeling where you're looking all over the place for your necklace, and then the next time you see your friend and she's got it on, and you're like, I knew this. episode of everyone's business but mine with me Kara Berry this is gonna be the last Saturday episode we do okay your girl's gotta live her life but there's so much to talk about and I feel like I'm just like overwhelmed and overwhelmed and so today we're gonna be talking about Winter House, Beverly Hills, Salt Lake and we're gonna be talking about Miami on Monday. I made the executive decision to do that uh, from now on until we can at least thin the herd a little bit with the other girls. So, what we're getting Saturday, this Saturday, is just like a, just a very loose chat. Okay, I talk more about Winter House than I do about everything else, but we'll get into it. We're having fun. I'm pushing Winter House on you guys because I. I'm having fun, I'm giggling, I'm laughing, I'm confused, I'm, you know, just, I have a lot of questions and I'm not getting a lot of answers, but I'm also just like, in the moment. I'm in the moment. So I hope you guys, I hope you guys will be in the moment with me. So let's get into it, shall we? We started off with Danielle and Alex making out. And here's what I just like am finding so, I don't know if refreshing is the white word, about Danielle's presence in the winter house now that she's like single and clearly uh you know going through it 
trying to get her mojo back, trying to feel like sexy, fun, and cute, and fly. And she's doing it with Alex through, I think, gritted teeth. Like, they're making out in the hot tub, but I don't think she really is, like, feeling him. You know? Well, speaking of dudes who don't get it, I just got repeated phone number calls. <laughs> just got repeated phone calls. So I'm like, let me just answer this, because maybe somebody is actually needed to call me, right? So I'm picking up the phone, and this man alleges to be named Jason and be working for Verizon, and telling me that um, somebody bought a phone on my account, and that uh, they need to work it out, or whatever, whatever the scam of the day is. So I said, Jason, Jason, I'm a millennial. Please don't do this. And he said, what do you mean? <laughs> I said, I know how this works. This is not real. Oh, well, what if I um, called you from, sent you a, a text message from Verizon? I said, sir, I know that you could spoof text. Oh, what if it said Verizon? I said, that wouldn't matter. You would have called me from Verizon in the first place. Because that's how it works. And we just sat there in silence. And I told him, you got to scam people better than this. And maybe that was poor advice. Maybe I should have just told him to stop. But baby steps. At least do it better. Like, why Why am I going back and forth with you immediately poking holes? Sir, this can't be working for you. And then, of course, there is pops up a, uh, um, a uh, article from the exact location saying this is how the scam works and this is what could be warned be warned and you're still trying <laughs> y'all thought if you could just expand out the baby would work maybe if y'all went national this would work and it doesn't it did and then he really tried to get me by bank saying like well isn't this account ending in you know, the last four numbers of your phone number and i said of course you know that you just called me jason i know you have that information that doesn't legitimize anything with your dumb ass men you know you know <laughs> anyway after that kyle and is taking uh malia aside to talk strategy because he honestly i feel like kyle's doing a lot of vicarious living through shorts or maybe that's not the right word i think he sees a lot of himself in shorts like kyle is the best case scenario and shorts is like you know like this is your life this is what it could have been you know um and so I think he sees a lot of himself, but I think he likes to advocate for Ky for um, Schwartz and be like, he's been through hell. Have you been able to escape this week, Tom? I'm like, first of all, it's only been a week. Secondly, where does he need to escape to with your with his stupid? You're the one who made yourself involved in this whole scandal situation, and we're supposed to feel like just because you didn't fuck Raquel, Rachel. That, like, you should not be the second in command for the fault of this. And it's, like, fair. But also, you could have gotten people out of situations. You were actively supporting, aiding and abetting would be the term, that situation. You're just going to have to take that on the chin. It's certainly the first week that all this shit came out. Like, I I'm not going to feel sorry for that bitch. I don't. But Malia tells uh, Kyle... She likes somebody who's going to take charge, which is probably why this is not going to happen between Schwartz and Katie. Of course, we find out that it does happen in the parking lot at the very least. And I don't know who tossed that broad in the bathroom, but God help us. 
Shout out to Katie Maloney, who was asked how she felt about hearing that Katie Flood from Below Deck hooked up with her ex-husband. And she said, well, my thought was she's probably never seen the show. Because <laughs> why would she if she had? So then everybody is still trying, well, all the girls are still trying to figure out what is Corey's relationship status. And he, I think, still is trying to downplay this whole situation. He tells them at first, well, we started hooking up about August of last year. And Katie says, oh, well, that's kind of a while because it's now March. He's like, well, yeah, but like, you know, I see her like once a month, like just really trying to be like, whatever. I, you know, obviously Sam has been asked about this over and over again at BravoCon and she kind of, she's got a packaged answer for sure. A very like, I would have maybe liked him to say something stronger sooner, but we really hadn't defined our relationship and blah, blah, blah. Do I believe, I mean, I feel like at this point Sam is protecting Corey from a lot of things. His relationship status, I don't really give a fuck in comparison to the transphobia that he's been spilling out on the in- Instagram, internet, whatever. That to me is a much bigger issue than him being like a fuckboy because we see him. Like, clearly, that man's a fuckboy. He made it very obvious. He's really never, he's been more honest about that than anything. And I'm not going to give him kudos for that, but it's true. <laughs> So Jordan, who has been trying to make out with Corey, she didn't really get it the last night. So she tells Casey the next morning before they go skiing that she was kind of feeling Corey, but like didn't really know what was going on, kind of embarrassed to admit it, which she should be. And so Casey tells her like, girl, let me tell you something. I know the girl that Corey is dating. My friend group knows her. She's just like some basic bitch from New Jersey, to which Jordan says, Okay, but I'm also a basic bitch from New Jersey. And Casey's like, yeah, yeah, no, no, but, like, you're beautiful. And Casey admits, like, she's trying to do the girl thing. Okay, Casey's a little uncanny valley. A little, like, of in the world, but not of this world, if you know what I mean. But in a delightful way. Um, she's like, you know, dating's like an Olympic sport. Before you get in the game, you're going to trash talk your opponent. So, like, you know, shit talking is kind of a form of bonding with girls. Like, I want to be Jordan's hype girl. And that's it. Which I feel like all of us have been guilty of. I think this really becomes a point of contention between Sam and Corey and Casey in the future. But I see what she's doing. It's not right, but it's okay. You know what I mean? <laughs> so Jordan goes on the fi- on the hunt to find him. Corey is like, you know, I'm just... He's just trying to keep it cute. But then... Brian, Jordan, and Corey all ride together up skiing, and Jordan mentions to Corey, like, oh, you left me hanging the night before I was knocking on your door last night, and he's like, oh, my door's always open, you can't lock it, and she's like, oh, you know, good to know, like, getting her flirt on, right? And he's not doing anything to, like, dispel any of this. So while everybody is skiing, Casey does ask Corey if he heard the knock on his door last night. And, like, yo, is your relationship actually monogamous or is there, like, a window of opportunity for somebody? Some guy behind them, just some rando on the slopes, is like, monogamy's a myth. So then, you know, of course, the guys think that that's, like, the greatest possible thing. So then Schwartz is like, okay, Corey, would you feel guilty if you hooked up with somebody? And Corey's response is, a little bit. And then he talks about the girls that are his type, Malia, Casey, and Jordan. Meanwhile, Danielle is telling Jordan... Listen, I can't really say that I'm co-signing you 
going for Corey because I like the girl that he's seeing. But like she says in a confessional, I'm not going to encourage Jordan hooking up. But also Corey's the one who opened the door. It's not my job to close it for him. After that, they all do an Opry ski. Jordan tells Malia and Katie again, I'm going to go for Corey later. And Malia says in a confessional, okay, well, that automatically friend zones Corey from me. Like, he's now a brother to me. You know, if a brother's like somebody you want to make out with, so maybe somebody else. So then Tom tells them that when they go home, they're going to be playing a little X game, doing shots or a drink based on your ex. He says that he's doing this to put out positive vibes in the universe since at this point he and Katie Maloney aren't great. So he's hoping that if he does this, that she'll go easy on him at the reunion. Did that happen? Uh, yeah, I think, I think it may have. She went easier on easier on him than I remember. But also, like, the guy, we had other things to talk about, for sure. So there's that. Back at the house, Kyle's talking to Alex about hooking up with Danielle. And he's like, oh, you know, do you know if she's had another rebound since her breakup? And Alex's like, I didn't know that she just broke up with somebody. To which Kyle's like... Dude, she was just living with a guy for, like, two years. Alex knows nothing about Danielle, other than the fact that she's hot, she's hot, she's hot, and he wants to be inside of her mouth and other places. And poor Brian, while everybody's talking strategy about who they're going to hook up with, who's hot, who's kissed who, who's in the hot tub, he's just, like, trying to find his bearings. <laughs> poor guy. Talking to Jordan, and um, who's he talking to? Jordan and Malia about, like, what it's like what they're like in relationships because brian's like oh i'm on a date every friday i'm so romantic this is my thing so jordan and is talking to malia because they've both been single for a while and she says well, do you like to be in your fine divine feminine to which brian like has no idea what that means he's like what do you mean like flowers and stuff <laughs> like no brian no it means like when we're single we're very independent but we like to be like taken care of in a relationship and then Alex does a really weird thing. He, I guess, has been, like, using Jordan's bathroom as his de facto bathroom. So he asks her, as she's getting ready for the night, can I take a shower? Sure, no problem. Toweling off. Moving that shower screen over. Hey, uh, where's my towel? Just, like, dick out to the world. Like, sir. <laughs> no. And she's over it. She doesn't even care to even be offended that he's trying to show her his little whatever as he's toweling off telling her she's the prettiest girl in the world sir i don't want to do this with you jordan says at this point i would rather have plastic like sorry to this man i don't want it so after that the x games begin and we're just gonna go quickly into what the shots are based on people that we know these people exes were like i can't talk about kyle's ex i've never seen her she's not been on camera so i can't talk about her Tom announces that his ex shot is, surprise, surprise, tequila. And he says that the reason why that is is because Katie says that he was a people pleaser, but also to the detriment of their relationship. Anyway, cheers. <laughs> what that had to do with the tequila, I don't know. Katie Flood from Below Deck announces that her drink is a rum because her ex Jack worked on the water with ginger beer because he would sometimes make her stomach burn. <laughs> and also he broke up with her over text, which is wild wild i don't know these like these dudes i know katie but i don't know jack i guess i didn't watch that season um after that alex 
ruins everything by being like every ex that I've had we're still friends with and they're beautiful and I love them all and everybody's like boo boo Alex Malia does a toast to Tom again I have not seen him but apparently this guy's real bad her piece of shit ex who cheated on her so she uses tequila because at one point it was a lot of fun but then tomato juice because she never needs it again and I'm like really struggling to find what the issue with Malia is because I'm like "Mm, she's all right with me like I don't love her but I'm like I I see it I see it the only person I will say that we'll talk about is Casey shot who says that it's uh organic and then pulls out an old trash bag like when I mean old I mean used trash bag there are little bits of black floating in these little shot glasses Kyle's actively gagging like Vicky Gunvalson everybody's horrified except for Corey and Danielle who were like yeah we'll take it no yuck oh and also just because it was gross Corey's shot was a a slap of the bag I don't know what that means I it must be something that happened in college but like I'm old older than Corey (laughs) and also Corey's too old to be doing this no I'm not that much older than Corey now that I think about it just a couple years so this feels like very frat bro slap of the bag with like red zinfandel or whatever i don't know he said she was ran through and like tried to hit on all his homies after they broke up it's like she sounds like a smart girl honestly he also said that he's not friends with any of his exes and they all hate him and have left uh, the state to flee him so i don't really care about uh miss ran through probably an icon she is an icon to me thank you so then at the end of the night danielle asked jordan are you going to go for it with Corey? And she's like, you know, I'm just nervous. It's, you know, usually if I'm putting myself out there, I'm, I know what I'm getting back, right? And Danielle's like, yeah. And it also kind of seems like maybe he's vibing with Malia. So while that's happening, we, I don't really understand what Malia is doing, but she and Corey are just doing like some like, oh, you know, like my, all my friends are boys. Like, I don't like the drama of girls, like that kind of shit, like pick me shit. And she like kind of, puts her arms around his neck and like jumps and like there's some mouth action she tells us later that she was just spitting in his mouth it kind of looks like she was going for a kiss and he just like didn't go for it i I don't really know what she but i wasn't getting chemistry but i can also understand how late at night you're drunk you've been feeling this dude it's in a house where like everything's intense and everybody's talking about who's gonna hook up with who how jordan might be like a little bit overly sensitive I get that. What I don't understand is Alex asked to use the bathroom again, notices that she's crying. And so he's holding her. He's thinking that he did something wrong. Trying to figure out. She's not really saying. She's like, I'm just so confused. She's crying so hard in the hallway. Everybody who is in different parts of the house, wake up and assemble like the fucking Avengers to see what is going on. Kyle, of course, the first one to be like, I'll hold space for you. I love that man. <laughs> and Kyle holding space for people before he chows down on half a bag of Tostitos and passes out in bed. But then, like, Corey, uh, not Corey, but Corey's asleep. He doesn't give a fuck. Katie and Malia come into the hallway, and Jordan takes them back in the room, trying to explain, like, how she feels, right? So she's like, it's just like, I can, it was like a whole day where I felt like, Malia, you were encouraging me to hook up with Corey, but then you kiss and she's like no 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 that 
absolutely did not have and I did not kiss him. Like I said, she says in a confessional, she was just spitting in his mouth in the least sexual way possible. But she apologizes to Jordan and tells her, like, that was a complete misconception. You read that all wrong. So the episode ends with Alex going into Danielle's room. And he's just like, they're cuddling, whatever. And he's like, should we keep doing it? Because they spent the night with each other the night before, but they didn't. he didn't hit, right? So he's like, oh, should we just keep doing it? And Danielle's like, I don't know, should we? And he's like, just put it in and see how you feel. And I think that's exactly what happened. So I can't wait to find out. Listen, I want to enjoy the sound bowl. Excuse me. Yes, go ahead. Old people need it. Okay, Monica, that's low because I'm older than Lisa. Monica, she's older than me. So is Meredith. So is Heather. Yeah, but you wear it. Mm, okay. I'd like to be natural. Okay. I don't look like the Pillsbury Joe girl. Sorry. Okay. Are you telling like her she does? Are you, oh, are you saying that about your friend? I think you're gorgeous. you about your friend? I think you're gorgeous. I think you're jealous. You're pretty. I'm pretty Control gorgeous. Control yourself. Jealous of Control you. yourself, Monica. Should I go ask them to leave? I am beyond pissed right now. Where is Meredith Marks when I need her? Do not come from my sound bath. All right, let's get into Salt Lake for this week. I have to say, I was not deeply annoyed by Angie K this week. So let's celebrate that, shall we? Starting off, Angie and Monica meet to kind of hash things out, right? Monica tells her she feels like Lisa's really actually damaging to Angie more than not in their relationship specifically because Lisa keeps running to Angie about things that she never said. Monica then divulges how the Easter event because Angie says you know like I just like I wanted your daughters to have a fun time and Monica tells her that that was probably more of a family event that they'd had in quite some time because she doesn't really have family. All the family and the events and stuff she had with her ex-husband and by the way We'll be talking about Monica on Monday's episode for sure. I've been laughing about this this beauty lab situation all week, so make no mistake, I'll get into it. But she tells Angie, like, she's got this complicated relationship with her mother, how once she got a divorce, her mom started coming to the, you know, the holidays and spending time with them, and how it was like, on the one hand, like, I appreciate her for attempting to make, like, a family event out of this, but it would usually end up in a fight. So then Angie reveals that before her mother passed when she was eight years old, she was an alcoholic. And I thought she said something really kind and fair to Monica that we don't often get from these housewives. She like let her Monica have her situation with her mother and also was like honoring her relationship with her mom without like putting it on Monica. So she says, just like, I didn't get the time with my mom that Monica had, but you know, Monica's, I'm sad for her because Monica does have the time with her mother and this is kind of like the shit that she's left with. And I, I appreciated her being like, Monica, get over it because at least you have a mom, you know, like that kind of stuff. Because the shit that's going down with Linda is real. And it's deep and it's upsetting <laughs> for sure. And I feel like it's triggering a lot of y'all in your relationships with your mother. And my heart goes out to you for sure. So let's get into this episode a little bit more. It's all about Whitney. All about little girl. And little girl's little girl growing up and no longer being a little girl. It's Bobby's 13th birthday. 
And then she's doing an event for something called Prism, which we find out later is like uh, jewelry that she connected to something with her healing journey. I don't really know. I, I don't know. Bobby's getting a golf cart for her birthday, which she says, Whitney says that she and Justin went back and forth on because that's a lot of freedom for her. But then they realized that she could do things like take her brother to school and like, uh, you know, be Whitney's personal Uber when she has too much Chardonnay at the, the mommy and me group. So it's all going to work out. Lisa comes over to help her with decorations for the party. I completely forgot that Lisa's a party planner. <laughs> but Lisa's like, oh, well, who's invited? Because, you know, she's trying to figure out if Monica's there because she doesn't like Monica. When Whitney tells her that Monica's coming and how she's really gone through it with her mom, like, you know, at the parking lot, we really had a good conversation. Lisa, bam, Lisa Barlow's like, oh, I just love when things are conveniently abusive, you know, like, you know, like you can be abused and you can also be abusive. If your mom's so fucking horrible, make changes. I don't want to believe her. So like, it just seems like a convenient time to bring the stuff up with her mother. Like she's accusing like what Whitney accuses Meredith of who we don't see in this episode by the way is the same thing that like Lisa is now accusing Monica of like oh you don't want to take accountability for something so you throw out something like traumatic and whatever so you don't have to take accountability Whitney's not really trying to hear this from Lisa because she's got her own situation with her mother and tells her like if you don't have that kind of relationship with your mom you maybe not may not be able to understand how toxic and abusive that can feel. But Lisa's like, but you're bringing this on yourself. Like the way she treated her mother was horrible. And this is a destructive conversation with Angie and her husband. It's like, oh, feel so bad for me. I don't feel bad for her. <laughs> so the Winnie says, with regard to her mother, I choose to believe her. But Lisa's like, your shoes on a reason to bring up shit about my friend, which is like fine. But like, why are we going so hard about this? I, <laughs> why are you going so hard about this? Like you're very upset about Monica because you defended her against those Angie rumors. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, Things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. As we all know, when it comes to everyone's business, I like to mention it all, but when it comes to mine, I like to keep things a little bit closer to the chest. But that method doesn't always work when it comes to your mental health, and we all need a way to purge and get it out. Therapy is a safe space to do that and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down by learning positive coping skills and all the tools you need to help you be the best version of yourself. 
BetterHelp is entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. So you can just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash everyone's business today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash everyone's business. This is why you're upset. (laughs) This is all she's telling us. And it doesn't really seem like a reason for Lisa to be getting this upset. I think Lisa didn't like that she called her out for being selfish or whatever she is. Materialistic. And she's had it out for her ever since. And the way she's going about it, in my opinion, is like really gross. Talking about like, oh, maybe she's just mad because she had to pay for her drinks at this event. Like, just like the poor shaving. And and then she's not like, Monica's not poor, you know? But like, still, it's just like nasty. And like, this is not even the first time where Lisa gets triggered. She gets upset by something and, and then all of a sudden she starts talking about money. Like, remember when she was screaming about how uh, Meredith fucked half of New York before that? She was telling everybody as they were trying to soothe her, I'm fucking richer than all of you. <laughs> She's wild. I was just kidding. Meredith actually was in the episode. <laughs> she does meet up with Heather and they do talk about like, Lisa's brand of Mormonism and how she can wear off the shoulder tops to Temple and drink tequila and whatever. But what really stood to me, stood out to me, is something that has been nagging me about Heather this whole time. And I feel like finally, now we said it. Because Heather says in a confessional, it's just a hard pill for me to swallow because Lisa gets to be a nuance, as nuanced of a Mormon as she wants, but I'm invalidated and excluded and no longer welcome in the community. Which to me is like, in the hierarchy of what Heather feels against the Mormon church, it's first her rejection after the divorce and being ostracized from everything that she knew and was comfortable with. And second, I think it's like the other stuff, the racism, the homophobia and whatever. And at this point, I'm like, I just feel like maybe she's taking up that second issue to validate her first one. And I think the cracks are really beginning to show that I think Heather's more upset about being rejected from the church than the, like, abhorrent things that they do to other people. And so I think, like, her not being involved in like the information with Jack's mission is triggering her just feeling excluded and left out and not so much the how could Lisa do this and how could Lisa support the church that has all these problematic stances it's just like why does Lisa get to have everything and I don't and I'm gonna tell you one thing I think you know sometimes maybe we have a little too many drinks and it's a quiet night over at the house of gay maybe sometimes we just quietly go into our closet and put our garments back on we don't talk about it in the morning i would not be surprised if that happened And then she tells, I think, Angie later, because Angie lets it slip that she had gone to a little intimate brunch with uh, her and Sean Lachey, Whitney and Justin and his dimples and Lisa's family. And they announced to them privately where uh, Jack is going. And Heather, again, is like in a confessional. 
I just feel like it's just more of the same rejection, but it's worse. Because with Lisa, like, she gets loosey-goosey when it comes to me. And then all of a sudden, you're a soldier for the gospel. I was like, girl, you really need to work that out. You really, really do. So Heather then drops the bomb on Monica that Lisa's been talking shit about her and her relationship with her mother as well. At first, she she did this brilliantly. The way she goes about it is by saying, um, Monica, have you talked to Meredith? Like, it's so weird sorry have you talked to lisa like it's so weird that she hasn't said anything to us um how did she know so much about your mother have you talked about your relationship with her at all and so monica has to be like no what are you referring to which leads heather to tell her that whitney told her that lisa's not buying the story about her relationship with her mama so monica's response is it really sounds like lisa's obsessed with me like she's middle-aged and bitter She's really got to get her name out of my mouth because she could choke on that. So Lisa, because we're at Bobby's party, skate, skate, roller skating party. Lisa just like pulls up like a straight out of the 80s mean girl. Roller skates on. She's got the tight white jeans. Uh, she's got her little dirty Diet Coke, as she calls it, which is just a Diet Coke and some coffee creamer. And she's like, hey guys, what's what's going on? What are you talking about? So Heather tells her that what Whitney said about her mom and Lisa if you could not tell through her glasses gets to blinking and I know my Barlow and I know a Barlow blink when I see one and she gets blinking hard and frequent and the frequency of the blinks just like increase by the second and you could tell she's like this is when she gets nervous she just blinks so Lisa continues to like be a bitch about this to Monica. Like, I just don't understand why you would bring your mom if you guys have such issues with each other and the kids don't want to be around her. Like, what? Wh- that doesn't make sense to me. And so Monica has explained to her, like, we have high highs and low lows. That's just kind of how the situation goes. So then Lisa says, well, I don't want to get into the drama when Monica's trying to explain herself. Lisa gets so petty. She just turns to talk to Heather like Monica's not even there. And Monica then gets triggered and she goes, this is what you're doing. You're just like my mom. You did exactly what my mom just does. Last week, she didn't like what I heard. So she turned and started talking to a plant. So we see a flashback from last week where mom, Monica went to that restaurant with her mom and her mom literally turns and it looks like she's talking to somebody off camera, a producer until the camera turns at like a half dry plant in the corner. (laughs) Unbelievable. So Lisa gets up and is like, I'm not interested in these erratic conversations. Maybe you're more like your mom than you think. And then she goes off skating because Monica called her a 50 year old. (laughs) So she's skating with Angie and she's like, she called me a 50 year old. She's a wannabe. She wishes. She wishes she was me. That's why she walks around a fake Chanel. After that, we get to Whitney's prison party. Jewelry for a little girl on a healing journey. (laughs) Angie asks her about Monica and she's like oh you know I barely saw Monica and you know like I don't know I just feel like her she was being honest about her mom I think she's got issues with her like I really do so this leads Angie to go up to Monica and say like I feel like I'm stuck in the middle between you and Lisa you guys have beef with each other whatever but Monica's like girl I've been here five minutes I'm not the one who has an issue I was just chilling Every time I come here, every time I come to an event, somebody's coming up to me, bringing up issues that they have with me, not the other way around. 
So then Lisa goes to try to find an ally in Whitney, but this is Whitney's event. So she's like, oh God, Whitney, I'm just so stressed out about uh, Lisa or um, Monica right now. And Whitney's like, I have to do a speech right now. Okay. <laughs> and she leaves. So then Lisa has to go back to Angie, who's talking to Monica, leaving Monica quite literally in the middle of Lisa and Monica. And it's, or Angie is quite literally between Lisa and Monica like trying to get them to shut the fuck up while Whitney's trying to do her speech, trying to be professional, trying not to fall off this stage that's three feet off the ground. And yet she's got multiple people holding her so she doesn't fall. She seemed terrified the whole time, Whitney, while she did that speech. <laughs> not sure why. But that was a, an extra added bonus for me. Lisa legit said to Monica, clearly nobody wants to be your mother. I would have put that sound bowl over her head like shade of a door and bonked the shit out of her talking about me. No, absolutely not. So the Whitney announces that they're going to be doing a sound bath and Lisa, can you please be quiet? <laughs> so Lisa tries to act like she didn't say anything crazy until Monica's like, everything you said to Whitney got back to me. Okay. You don't know about the situation. Lisa's blinking but Lisa's like, well, based on what I saw, you did. You have issues. And then Whitney tells her to shush. So Lisa's like, okay, I'm going to enjoy the sound bath. And Monica goes, you need it. Old people need it. <laughs> Lisa walks away. And Angie goes, okay, Monica, that's low because I'm older than Lisa. And so Lisa goes back. She's like, yeah, she's older than me. So is Heather. So is Meredith. And Monica goes, will you wear it? <laughs> yeah, well, I'm all natural. At least I don't look like the Pillsbury Dough Girl nasty so nasty and so rude please stop talking to me monica please stop talking to me. please stop talking to me monica stop talking to me stop talking to me monica whitney is glaring at them so hard <laughs> next to that little sound bowl it is so funny it is so funny monica tells lisa you're like a little tramp stamp you beg for attention everywhere you go <laughs> the sound bath ends and lisa's like i don't want to talk to you monica stop talking to me Stop talking to me. And then she accuses Angie of starting all of this. I, I took your side against Sean. Okay. This that's what I did as a good friend to you. And then Lisa starts screaming about how like it's not that deep. I just gave my opinion about you, Monica. And so Wendy goes up to her. It's like, can you guys move over there? You're blocking the shopping. You're blocking the credit card stand. <laughs> so Lisa's now like just not seeing anything. She's wild. She's trying to find Whitney again to be like, this is so crazy how they're acting to me. Like, it's impossible to have a conversation with Monica. She's so loud. Whitney's like, I'm over it, girl. I'm, I'm like, she's not doing this with her. <laughs> Lisa has no, like, no clue where she is. She has no clue that she's at her event. Now, granted, like, are we ever going to hear about prism jewelry again? Probably not. What happened to Whit Wild Rose? Whatever the fuck. Where's the makeup? Where's the skincare? One hit wonders. So, like, it's not really that sacred, but it's still rude. This was a great episode. Let's move on to Beverly Hills. The form. The integrity. Nice. No, but she said her brand, too. You're such a bitch. You really are. How far? 
What are you talking about? Are you kidding me? And you hit really well. Did you not say your brand? I didn't. Listen, I feel so good. Yeah, here, here we are again with Kyle. She's walked into a conversation that she did not hear. Oh, no, now don't you're do being that. a bitch. Do now that. you're being a bitch. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Yeah, now don't you be a bitch to me. Oh my God. There's not enough tequila for tonight. We just have to really talk about two subjects that happened in Beverly Hills Sutton and Garcelle slash Dorit, right? So let's just talk about it. Let's break it on down, shall we? where Sutton's insecurities began. I mean, maybe we should be starting like 50 years ago, but we don't have time for that. So we're just going to start with the first morning in Vegas where Garcelle says, while they're having breakfast, we need to have an intervention about like being able to get second dates and things like that. And clearly she's talking about Sutton because like most of these women are married and it's certainly not Erica, okay? (laughs) And it ain't her. So everybody's just looking at Sutton and how she's like a one-date wonder. And then she admits to them that she had gone on a great date with a guy. They played backgammon. She probably wore her cat sweater again. He kissed her. And then he just never called her again. So they're like, okay, but if that's all true, why didn't he call you? He was so great and he kissed him and whatever. So then Sutton has to admit that she invited this man to fly to New York with her for an event on their second date. And he got freaked out. Here's, I think, another thing that Sutton's going to have to understand. She's wealthy, okay? And I know that she's like, oh, I don't care about the money, blah, blah, blah. But you need to. Because here's the problem. You have to. You have to. Through no fault of your own, blame them. A guy is not going to be like, oh, let's whisk you off to whisk me off to New York on the second date unless you're like Kevin Federline. Like, this is not going to happen. Sutton doesn't want to date Kevin Federline. You know what happens to the Kevin Federlines of the world is that they end up being on your dime and now part of your $300,000 a month alimony that you earned is now going to this loser. These men are going to be too intimidated by you asking him to fly across the country for a date. Now, Dorit kind of clocks it. I mean, Granted, this is probably, you know, double standard or whatever, but she says in a confessional, that's like a lot. Like, how would you, how would a woman feel if that were like the other way around? And then she goes, you know, it might be kind of sexy because that's just the way that we're programmed. Okay. Like we have to just like, you know, I'm as, as evolved as any of us. Okay. Sometimes we just have to understand that where we as a society are and, and what makes sense and what doesn't. And I think Sutton needs to start figuring out what makes sense. Because, like, unless this dude has is also making 300 k a month, I don't think he's going to be interested. And also, I don't know. I think maybe if he did, he still wouldn't be that interested. <laughs> She's got to figure it out. Sutton, you need to find a rich man. I know you don't care. And it shouldn't matter. But you're going to have to. Because otherwise, you're going to meet these dudes who, like, are too... It's not going to work out. Sorry. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.
that's scene number one of insecurity for Sutton. And then Kyle snatches her phone like a bitch. <laughs> Giggling, cackling hag, laughing so hard, uh, going through her text messages to figure out what she said to this man that was so wrong. And she sees a text that Sutton sent about like, oh, I like your triceps or whatever. Kyle's laughing so hard. She is bursting through all that work that Dr. Orion did. Like, it's, she's going to be in that office for a minute, okay? Let me get some extra CCs. Then Kyle FaceTimes him and is like just laughing and giggling like that's so funny. And it's not. It's not. It's actually not funny at all. I'd be really pissed off. So that's two. And then three is like she's already feeling some type of way, which is why she decides to be like a horrible white woman, rich white woman, to Avi, her, um, what does he call him, project manager? <laughs> Whatever he's called. Because he unpacked for her. Because they, she had her people fly out before the girls did, unpack her bags in the hotel room. She can't find her white pants. The pants that she had planned to wear to Magic Mike because Erica told them, you might go on stage and, you know, spread. Spread them. So Sutton's like, I brought pants and I brought panties. Avi, I can't find my pants. Your head's about to be on swivel. So Avi finds them. She's like, okay. You're fine. But, like, it's just, like, horrible. Like, Avi's shaking. He's, like, terrified. This is, like, not where a grown-ass man should be in his life. Like, it's weird. It's weird. So then we all head over to Magic Mike, right? Garcelle's wearing a shirt. She says that it's a dress. I don't know. Thank God her legs are giving, okay? That was the best part of the whole outfit. (laughs) The legs. So Mikey, like promises erica earlier we're gonna get you girls on stage you're gonna get the vip treatment blah 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 you know pants so your coochie crack doesn't show right she's got a stack of ones sutton strack she's ready more excited than everybody so then first the show begins the lights go down during this like kind of like uh it's like a vip section but it's like a like in a if you're going to like a fun opera like that little little close off section like there's a little bit more room than just having a front row you know what i mean like just like like a booth not a booth but you know what i mean so the guys some of the dancers go up to that section and they're like passing sutton by like sutton's on the edge and there's two guys one is dancing with i don't know dorit maybe and then the other one is humping garcelle in the face and you would tell immediately that sutton was like mm, i don't like this because so, she's getting ignored by these men, right? And then they grab Crystal, the birthday girl, and Erica, the person who planned this thing, to go on stage. And it's like two on two. And like, we're humping and licking and face fucking the whole thing. <laughs> Everything's going on, right? Sun goes over to Garcella and goes, I wear pants of fucking nothing. I will say, just quickly about the... the um stage presence that erica jane has i don't really care for erica girardi it's tentative i used to really really love her but then you know widows and orphans as much as i don't care for erica girardi it is kind of fascinating to watch erica jane perform sex kitten on the stage like she's getting lifted she's she knows all the moves because i guess this is a guy that she used to dance with or mikey used to perform with or something but these are like dudes she knows so she's like wrapping her legs around him, making sure that her hair looks good when he lays her down on the on the 
floor. She's like spreading her legs. They're doing like fake uh cunnilingus on the girls and she's like nodding her head like yes, do it. Like she it's interesting to watch. It is very, very interesting. Now production, y'all know damn well not to ask Erica in a confessional if Tom Girardi had moves like that. Dog, come on. <laughs> Don't even do it. So Garcelle clocks it. She was like, I think Sutton got upset that she wasn't one of the cool girls who got picked. And that's exactly it. But why she took it so personally is so interesting to me. Another thing that made me, that like came back in my memory is remember, was it Kathy's maybe first season where, or maybe the second one where they did that like little joke, uh, like they were pretending to chug uh, like martinis right but it was just water and like how there was text going across because it was like half the table was trying to trick the other half and so there were text messages happening and then Sutton picks up that like oh people are text messaging and I'm not getting anything in my inbox and so she feels left out and then she like freaks out about this situation that was like so nothing and so inconsequential I think this like really triggered her like like Garcelle said that she felt left out she didn't feel cool and so she leaves huffing and puffing ranting about how she's on the board of the American Ballet Foundation I don't do that shit so then Garcelle and eventually Kyle and eventually Crystal end up following her while she's having a fit and it's just like very like these are the standards that I set for myself like she's just hyped up hopped up on grapefruit juice screaming about her standards like it's just weird and garcelle has to be a good friend to her like i get it you're on the american ballet foundation it's a it's a bad look but then she's saying like oh you know i don't care if it's just silly like whatever but that's just too much the legs spread and it's like okay girl what did what was your expectation and if these are like about the standards that you set for yourself and the American Ballet Foundation that you're on the board of. Fuck that. Here, I don't understand boards. Like these wealthy women who join boards. Because maybe I've got it wrong. I haven't really delved too far into it. But it sounds to me like y'all are paying hundreds of thousands of dollars sometimes a year to, I guess, maybe make decisions on some things. But also Sutton's acting like she has to uh, adhere to some sort of code of ethics because she's on the board of the American Ballet Foundation it's like why am I paying to to I'm not doing that I'm not, I'm not gonna be beholden to something that I'm paying for to be a, a, a not a thought I'm gonna be out here in these streets legs spread honestly it is wild to me that Sutton really got all tight in her white pants by the fact that she didn't get her pussy fake eating on stage she would have been totally chill don't tell me don't tell me that if they that man had spread his legs and went right down in her crotch area, she would have been ba da ba 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 loving it. And so I don't want to hear anything differently. I just don't. You can make it about whatever you want, your standards in the ballet, but I'm not gonna hear it. Also, Sutton, do you know that these men are probably mostly homosexual? And if they aren't this is their job. You weren't going to go home with any of them, more than likely. So I'm, and, like, and that's no shade. They're not going to go home with anybody in their audience. 
Because this is just a job for them. This isn't like prom. This isn't like everybody got asked to go to the dance except for you. Girl, it's a performance. You'll be fine. And these wide leg pants that you're wearing, these flowy wide leg pants are not so uncomfortable on you that you would never would have worn these pants if it weren't for that situation. You're, you're, you're good. Okay. You're good. I screamed when they all get into the sprinter and after Sutton tries to like calm down and explain herself and why she was upset, Crystal goes, Sutton, how would you feel if I said we're not upset? (laughs) How would you feel? How would it land if I just told you that me as a married woman and all the other married women here who have husbands to answer to don't really give a fuck about what happened on stage. Would that change anything for you? And Crystal was being dead ass. She was like trying to be a friend to her. Like, but if I tell you like my situation and that it doesn't matter, would it calm you down? And it doesn't. And then everybody's expecting Erica to pop off because this was something that she had set up. She and Sutton are like oil and water anyway. And they're all like bracing for it. But Erica already told y'all on the PJ, I'm not fighting for Lent. So she doesn't give up anything. She's like, I had a good time. I'm sorry that you didn't. And that's it. Everybody's like, girl, okay. That's it? Fine. So they all go to dinner. And Garcelle mentions that she's going to be going to see Oliver at lunch or have lunch with him the next day. Her son who works at Vanderpump Paris. One of the Vanderpump things in, in Vegas. And then Dorit tries to be encouraging. She's like, you know, what little you've told me about your son. Like, I know he's been through some hard times. And like, you know, blah, blah, blah. Something about being encouraging to him and talking to him. And Garcelle says in a confessional, I still don't really feel safe talking about my kids to these women. Because uh, Dorit and PK and Mo and Kyle held Summit giggling about how funny it was that my kid got cursed out by Erica last year so I don't really feel like this is a soft place to land so the next morning she brings this up and this is where Dorit loses me she gained my favor and then it's like 16 steps back with this woman what is her issue with Garcelle because it is a Garcelle specific issue and I'm tired of watching it it makes me as a black woman uncomfortable to see her she over the years mocking her intentionally seemingly uh not understanding what garcelle's saying um put turning things around on her gaslighting her making her feel bad and trying to make like invalidate all of her feelings so garcelle is telling all of them i just you know i was mentioning something about my son the other day last night and i gotta tell you guys like Just because of what happened, I just don't really feel like super safe being overly divulgent about my children. Kyle seems to understand it. Or at least she knows to not be stupid and act like she doesn't understand it. Dorit. Garcelle says in a confessional that Kyle did apologize to her, which actually happened at the um, Eagle Woman event in episode one that we didn't see in a flashback. And then Erica apologized last season, right? She's like, But Garcelle says, you can accept an apology, but it doesn't mean that I have to, like, forgive you immediately. And I think, honestly, by her telling that is, honestly, her attempt to, like, put it out there 
and like solve things or at least be honest and maybe like if you say hey this is how I'm feeling then it kind of like takes the power out of it and like people can kind of recalibrate and I think Garcelle or Dorit rather acts like she's being nailed to the cross like Jesus was so Dorit straight up is like well I didn't laugh at him and Garcelle's like I know but I just still feel like I want to protect my family. And Sutton brings up a great point in um, her own confessional saying, if my husband sat there and talked shit about a kid and I didn't do anything, I'm basically responsible for that. Like, I'm just as guilty. That That's equally as a bad look for me. So Dorit is like, and it was like her demeanor that was just like, like, do we still have to go through this with you? With you, Garcelle? Uh, Dorit, who's been like harking on about your PTSD, you broke the fourth wall how many, like, a couple episodes ago because you got surprised at a hotel and you were like, I can't do this. I'm a, I'm a control freak. You breaking things down. We're having to call your kids and Jagger's having to take you down from off the mountain. Like, okay. But she can't feel some type of way about something, like, some pretty unobjectively fucked up thing that happened so she's like listen it's been over a year what is it gonna take and then it's like okay if you're, that's how you're gonna ask me then just fuck you fuck you and then basically she's like garcelle you're responsible for your feelings <laughs> and there garcelle's like i'm not trying to be combative i'm just trying to explain to you this is where i'm at right now and so dorit says okay well, the next time if I have something from my heart to say to you, I'm just not going to say it, okay? Ugh. Why don't we all just take a shower and get ready for the day? Yeah, why don't we, Dorit? Why don't we? And next time you see a rack full of clothes and you want to talk about how you need to pick out your own clothes, why the fuck do you have a stylist if you don't want, if you are so in control of your own clothes that you have to pick up every item, why even have one then? What's your point? What is the point of her being there? <sighs> Dorit needs to get her act together. Because she's on a thin ice with me. Okay? And with that, <laughs> thank you guys so much for listening. Thank me for speaking. Be back on Monday. Love you.